All righty. Thank you, Lord. I feel like a lot's happened already. Don't you? I hope you got some downloads during worship. That was amazing. Amazing. You know, one of the things that attracted me to the, to the Lord was this. I started having this, you know, God was convicting me, dealing with my heart. This is in the beginning, in my beginning as a believer. And, and in my B.C., before Christ. And so I started having these thoughts about God. So I wanted to find out about Him. And so obviously the best place to find out about God is the Bible, in my, in my opinion. Not church. So I didn't go to church. I went to the Bible. Because I'd already been to church. Okay? Actually, I had been to church. And I, I didn't find God there. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't think He was there. I think he was there, I, my opinion about church in those days, Christianity was for old people. So I thought, when I get old, maybe I'll be a Christian. That's, that was my thought. So I'm just going to check out of this until I get old. It worked out. Yeah, it really worked out great. But I was quite young when all this other stuff started. This was like almost 45 years ago. But the question was this. I started reading the, the Bible, and like, you know, any sane person who reads a book. You don't start in the middle of it, right? Nobody starts in the middle of a book. I started at the beginning of it because that's how you read a book. I didn't know. I wasn't really, I kind of knew there was an old and new, but I just figured you start at the beginning. And I kept reading like the first three chapters of Genesis over and over and over. And I came to the conclusion, I finally came to this conclusion, and I told God this. I believe I believe what's here. I believe that you created all this. I believe that you created me. I believe everything came from you. I don't believe in evolution or, you know, all that. I don't believe that. I believe this. And, but my question to God was this. I understand where this came from. I want to know where you came from. Okay? And I spent months trying to find out where God came from. You know, in the beginning, I mean, literally... I spent months of my life trying to find out where did God come from? Who made him? I really wanted to know that. And, uh, but somewhere in the middle, that's how God brought me to him. It was this, this God who could not be understood. This God who was beyond my human mind. Even though I wanted to know about him, I want to know where he came from. I want to know his origin because your origin is really important. Where you come from is important. Okay, and so I wanted to know where he came from, and he obviously never told me where he came from, okay, because <laughs> he has always been. That was like, but somewhere in the middle of that, I came to the conclusion that I wanted, I wanted to be one of God's children. That I came to that conclusion. I want to be a part of his, his family. I didn't use those terms then, but that was really my conclusion. I want to, I want to be a part of him. And live my life with him. And so I did what Christians are supposed to do. You know, you have this, this prayer, you know, that, of surrender. And I was into a, a dark culture then, so I, I had to flush to cut down the commode a bunch, literally a bunch of stuff that night that needed to, needed to go out of my life. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to hit the commode, right, uh, and flush some stuff down the, down the drain. And I literally flushed some stuff down the drain that night, and so I think that was uh, really just powerful what we were singing this morning, that was really speaking to me, so I just, I'm taking this moment here to think about that for a moment, that those angels can never find the, they can never find the beginning or the end to the Lord, there's no, and that's the, that's the Lord who has embraced us, and that's the God who has reached out to us, that's the God that that Becky said so powerfully last week when Adam fell that he was crying out to Adam, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Because he lost somebody he loved. And although God knew where he was, God still had feelings and emotions in his heart about this person, this son that he had created. And he knew where his son was, but he was still calling out for him. You know, And I know all preachers would tell you, you know, it's not when God asks a question, right? He's not looking for an answer. He wants us to get the answer. I get that. But there's this other part to God sometimes. Let's just don't, 
take this God who has feelings. Okay, let's don't erase that. Let's don't make him into some kind of being who has no feelings and no emotions and no anything when, when stuff goes down. Okay? Are y'all all right? Yeah. I'm going to just mess with you. But I wanted to read this. Uh, it's interesting uh, Dean said that because that's what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk, I want to talk about a family revelation. Uh, that's what the Lord's been speaking to me is, is uh, about family. Uh, but I want to tell you something. Just drop your thoughts about church family for a moment. And that was good what he said, but that's an outcome. You see what I'm saying? That's not where family starts, any kind of family. It doesn't start in the home. It doesn't start in the church. It starts with the Lord. Okay? And that's really what I want to talk to you about. So can you, can you go with me on it a little bit? Let me read Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. These are some famous scriptures that we all have preached from and loved. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has what? Blessed us. Don't you? We should have many messages about out of that. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Lord, give us a million more messages on those blessings that we have yet tapped into. There's so many things about God and about the kingdom of God and about the, the world of God that we haven't tapped into yet. And he's already given it to us, you know. And just as he chose us in him, verse 4, before the foundation, before the foundation of the world. Oh, Lord, they said, they said that this morning. Before the foundation of the world, God had already chosen you. Uh, think about the magnitude of that statement. I could just want to park there. Think of, I don't know about you, but I was not a good guy, okay, before Christ. I don't know about y'all, but I was a, per, a bad person. I did bad things. I thought bad things. I said bad things. I acted out a bad life. And, but God still had chosen me, even though he knew all of that about me. He knew I was going to be that bad person, okay, and act bad and do bad. But he still chose me. He still chose me. Before any of that happened. And he knew it was all going to happen. And he said I still want this person. He's a son. I want him. I just think that's beautiful. I hope that can sink into your heart this morning. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we should be holy and without blame. And that doesn't mean we had to do something. We had to believe something. That's what we, that's what we, it's not that we got to go do something to be holy because that would be a stupid thing. I hate to tell you, if you're trying to be holy today, you're in a wrong, you're in the wrong mode of operation. You're going to have a very tiring life. You're going to be wore out in your life. You're not going to like your Christian life. You're going to, fact, you're going to get fed up with it and drift away from God trying to be holy. The Lord's holy, then Jesus lives in us and we live in him. How more holy can you get, right? I mean, you're in him. You don't have to do anything. You just be in him and be what he is and be who he is. You know, that's, that's the thing. And, and, and right actions will follow. Right attitudes will follow. But if you try to get there, you're making a mistake because you're trying to get somewhere you already are. That's stupid, right? Any, you know, duh. How many is trying to get into this room this morning? Is anybody trying to get into this room? You're already in this room. You just, if you're trying to get into this room, you see what I'm saying? We need, a, we need our eyes open to see where we're already at. In fact, it goes on in Ephesians to tell us where we're at. We're set down somewhere with Christ in the highest place there is in heaven. Now listen, I'm going to have a hard time this morning because everything I'm saying to you is spiritual. It's not, it's not what Tony said. It's not here. You can agree with everything I say right here in your head, and you will walk out the door, and it will make no difference in your life, period. And you will spend the rest of your Christian life struggling in and out, in and out, flopping around like a fish out of water, okay, until you get this in your heart. I can't put this in your heart. I can't do it. It's not my ability. I don't have the ability. No man has ability, uh, only the Holy Spirit can put this into your heart. 
It's his job. Holy Spirit, put what I'm saying into these hearts this morning so it will, re- it will change people. It will cause something to happen in our lives that will radically change us and cause us to love this person called the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and be infatuated with him. Are y'all all right? Okay. Uh-huh. You know, Becky gave a great message last Sunday. Wasn't that a really great message? You know, I'm going to tell you the secret, okay, about Becky. If you would like for her to preach more, you have to ask her. Because <laughs> when I ask her, she'll say, yeah, I'll do that. And then the next week, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I ask her two or three times, like, why do you keep asking me that? Yes, I am telling <laughs> I'm telling the truth. She will back out. She's backed out on me dozens of times. (laughs) She told me, well, some people have been wanting me to preach, so I feel like I should. Now, you tell me I'm not. So so if you want, I'm just telling you, if you want her to speak more, you have to ask her. I've tried to get her to. In fact, I told her, like, Becky, why don't I retire from preaching and you start preaching because it would be easier on me. Because preaching's hard, man. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's really hard. It costs you something. It don't cost you just to get up and say a bunch of stuff, but it'll cost you something if you really want to speak for the Lord, speak on His behalf. It's costly, big time. Um, anyways, have mercy, Lord. It says that He predestined us to adoptions as sons. How many Presbyterians are in the room this morning or express? Remember predestination? I went to a Presbyterian, I heard that, and I didn't believe it, because, like, seriously? You know? Well, here's what I do believe. We're being, we were, right from the foundation of the earth, God called us sons, that he was going to bring us in, even though he knew we were going to separate. That's our predestination. That's our destiny, is sons and daughters of God. That's the whole, the whole thing. Uh, by Jesus Christ, to himself. Isn't that beautiful? According to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us, what? Accepted in the Beloved. Accepted in the Beloved. Now, the Beloved is this. This is the family right here. Here's the family. The Beloved is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what He's talking about right there. And God in Christ has made us accepted in that family. He has, he has drawn us. He has spoken and has made a place for us in that family. And has asked us to come join the family. And that's what he's asking you this morning, to join the family. He's not asking you just be saved. Okay? He's asking you about a family. He's, he's trying to get people to see something beyond just salvation. And I think salvation is awesome, but that door is awesome back there. But if that's all we had on this building was a door, we wouldn't have anything. We gotta, that door brings us into something. It brings us into a family. It, and that's where God really wants to bring his people into family. And he wants us to see that we belong to a family, that we're accepted there. We don't have to do anything to be accepted. We are. How many people have went through their life and felt what we were singing this morning? Have felt shame? Has anybody in this room ever felt shame? Have lived in shame? I mean, really. Have you, if you have never felt that, if you've never lived that, then that, that, that wouldn't be very meaningful to you. But if you've lived under a cloud of shame, that's meaningful. Where God calls you beautiful. Where God calls you beloved. It is good, man. See, in my life, this is how things have worked for me spiritually. Are y'all wanting to hear this? I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm going to give you a hard time this morning. In my life, and this, is, this has been awesome, uh, you know, at different times, God would reveal himself in different ways. Uh, like he would re- reveal him, uh, the person of Christ to me. Or uh, he would reveal the Holy Ghost to me. Or he would reveal the Father to me. Y- y- y'all all are experiencing that. Never in my entire life until recently has God revealed himself to me like he's revealing himself to me now. Never have I seen God. And I've wondered, we were talking about soaking. I have laid, back when we do, used to do that all the time, I laid on the floor for hours contemplating this thought of where, how does this all work? Where does this all take me? 
Where, where, how does Jesus Christ fit into this Holy Spirit river? How does Jesus Christ fit into this, this revelation of the Father? How do they fit? What does this all really mean? Oh, sure, I could read the Bible. I could read these verses. But the reality of it has never been made more real to me than recently. I don't know if y'all remember. You probably don't. As I told you, last fall, the Lord spoke to me out of Matthew 16 about that revelation where Christ says, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that, that I am? And that out of every new revelation of the Lord comes a new revelation of yourself, comes a new identity, comes a new purpose, comes new everything. And the Lord told me last fall, that's important. That's, that's important. I didn't know what he was talking about. Now I'm starting to see what he's talking about. Because now God's revealing himself like I've never seen him before. He's revealing himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all at one time to me. And it's mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling to me. Every revelation of God will be mind-boggling to you. But boy, it's like this is like what I dreamed, like I dreamed of. So, um, So your family is vital. Your identity is rooted in family, right, in the natural. Right? That's your identity. You got a last name this morning because of somebody's family. Right? Let me read this John eight forty four. It's this is Jesus. There were some some people, there were, you know, Jewish people back when Jesus was here, claiming they were following him until he really started going after them about some things. Okay? And they and this is what he and they sort of went after him. It was sort of a little confrontation this is what he said to him you are of your father the devil that's a pretty rough word from jesus and he ever said that to you like huh (laughs) and the desires of your father you want to do you get that he's telling us something here he's telling us a, a revelation here you see ultimately the desires that are deep in you come from who your father is That's what he was saying. You want to kill me because your father is a murderer. Your father is a thief. Your father is a liar. And because of who he is and because he's your father, it's causing you to, those things will ultimately manifest in you. And so when we become, start coming into this revelation of our family, of who who we are, whose we are, our identity and place in the family, eventually that family's desires, that family's attitude, that family's feelings will start emerging in you. Are y'all seeing this? You, you see, when we are in that family, and we know we're in that family, and we, re- we have revelation of who we are in that family, our place in that family then ultimately those things, those family values, so to speak, are going to start emerging in your life. It's not something you had to generate. It's not some spiritual discipline. All that stuff's great. It has its place. It really does. It has its place, but it don't start there. It can't start there. It can't start there. If it starts there, guess what you have? You have a religion. You have a religion if it starts there. That's all you have. You don't have a relationship. Everything starts with a relationship. And out of that relationship comes disciplines. Out of that relationship comes those kinds of things. They're born out of relationships. I think I've probably said this before. You know, I have a relationship with Becky. I love Becky. And because of that relationship, I'm not going to do certain things. Right? There's certain things I'm just not going to do because it would be dishonoring to her. I'm not just not doing those things because that's the good Christian thing not to do. Oh, good Christian guys don't do that. No, that's not the reason I'm not doing them. I'm not doing them because I'm, I'm not going to dishonor this person I'm in love with. That I have this relationship with. Y'all see that? And that's really what God wants us to have. So let me read this. Okay, Lord help. I hope y'all getting this. Maybe I'm just just dense here. Let me read Genesis 1.26. I love this. Y'all can just keep hanging on to me. Uh, Then God said, "Let let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Isn't that beautiful? And so that was uh, 
the Trinity. That was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there in the garden. And, and God representing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, is saying, you know, let us do this. Let's the Father, let us do this. Let us create. Let's, let us have this. Because, and this is why. Listen, it's because they were the, there together, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Get this picture. They were there together, and they were just having this beautiful time together. Right? They loved each other because they were family. Okay? And, that, and love desires creation. Love desires creativity. Love creates. Did you know that's about creativity? creativity the, the truest, highest form of creativity is born out of love. Creativity is not for creativity itself. It's it, the, the created kind of God creativity that He wants to see on the earth is born out of this love. Because that's what God did. He created man out of this love that he wanted to share this love. We, we've got something awesome. We've got this love. We, we need to create somebody to share this love with. So they can know how, it, how we feel. Because that's what love is. Love looks for expression. It's looking for a way to get out of its boundaries. And so that's why God created. He created a family. And, and, and he created this atmosphere for this family to live in called the Garden of Eden where the family could, could live there and prosper there and have other family members because God wanted a big family. And so he created this, this, this atmosphere. And see, God don't just create and just leave it to happenstance. Right? A good, healthy mom and daddy don't have babies for the sake of having babies. Right? Nobody does that. Nobody in their right mind, well, let's just go have a bunch of babies. We'll have them and we'll dump them. Now, some people do that, but I'm just saying healthy people, their motivation for having children is not just for the sake of a woman going through nine months of, of hell. <laughs> right? And then her husband going through, you know, years of it. <laughs> Never mess with a pregnant woman. <laughs> Anyways, so we, we have these babies, and we create this thing we call home, right? Where the babies can thrive and grow up and be nurtured, and, and, and life can be spoken into, and we do the best that we can to try to help them become successful. Well, that's what the Garden of Eden was all about. It, see, all that came from this father. It was his heart to have this humanity in a home. Well, that got busted up. But he didn't, but he already, like Becky said earlier, he already had the plan in place because he knew it was going to get busted up. Are y'all following this? This is important. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you start getting this as a revelation in your life, things will shift for you. Things will shift in your Christian life, I promise you. Things will shift when you begin to start seeing life and creation of life and the way God looks at life. When you begin to see it like that, you see everything in life different. Everything. You see yourself different. Okay? Let me read Ephesians 1.11. It says, In Him, meaning in Christ, we have attained an inheritance. Being, I read that already, right? Being predestined... I read, I read predestined already, but not this one. Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So here's the key thing about inheritance. The inheritance He's talking about is verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's our inheritance. That's everything. Everything that God has. And so here He's rephrasing it a little bit that we have this inheritance. But who has the inheritance? Sons and daughters have the inheritance, not orphans. It's people, it's human beings that realize who they are. Are y'all getting this? You, you and I want our inheritance in the Lord. We want God to do all these things for us. But many of us are walking around with this orphan mindset on us, and we're acting like orphans. We don't really get that we have this Father who has obligated Himself to give us, to give us an inheritance. And when we begin to see ourselves the way we really are and the way God sees us, that's how we begin to tap in to His inheritance. 
Because you know what the inheritance really is, if you want to boil it down to? Everything that God has for Christ, he has for you. His inheritance, what does it say? It says the New Testament, the last will and testament of who? Of Christ. It's all, it's for us that he wants us to have something. God is dearly interested in his people, his children, just like you and I or any healthy parent are dearly interested in giving their children something, leaving their children something. Dearly interested. You know what? I was thinking about all I got from my mom and daddy was basically a shoebox with some papers in it. But it was meaningful to me. It was very meaningful to me. In fact, it's a treasure to me because it was... It was the inheritance that they had. They didn't have nothing, but they had that little box of papers and stuff from when I was a kid that said something. See, God has this inheritance He wants us to have. He desperately wants us to have it. And it's more than a shoebox, I can tell you that. It's more than pieces of papers. It's everything that the Bible says Christ has, we have. Everything. I know that's hard to get your mind around. I think we'll spend eternity figuring out what that inheritance really looks like. But we can, he's not talking about going to heaven. That's the thing. He's talking about stepping into this now. We don't become sons when we get to heaven. We're sons now. We can begin to walk in some level or some measure of our inheritance today. So let me just say this. I'll just throw this in here. Woo, let me rest a minute. Is is this going anywhere of anybody in this room? Because this is really important. I wouldn't be saying it's important. See, what happens, I I said this the other night at Sue's home group, the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is the only book that Paul wrote, the only letter you know, they were really letters. They weren't books. We made them into books, right? They call them epistles. You know, fancy word for a letter. Maybe it's a foreign word. I don't know. But I'm, I'm good with books. The book of Ephesians. I'm good with that. Okay? Only one that he wrote, Paul, that he was not addressing a problem. Only one. Every, you read every other book. Even Colossians addressing a problem. It's this. He's trying to tell us what our inheritance is. He's trying to get us to see something. And so the first three chapters is trying to give us that picture of that. Then the last three chapters, well, this is what that looks like walked out in your life. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If we don't get the first three chapters, we'll never be able to walk out the last three chapters. You know, there's a devil there's a devil out there, right? He shows up in Ephesians. Guess what? He tells us, oh, this is how you deal with that character. But you start here. You start in the first three chapters. Then if you got that, you can deal with that character. Because all that character is trying to do is convince you of who you're not. He's trying to convince you that you're not a son and that you're not loved and that God is an angry God. That's all he's trying to do. If he can convince you of that, you're defeated. Because that means you're no good and you're worthless and God's abandoned you and you're on your own and you've got to figure it out for yourself. That's what that tells you. And that's why there's a lot of Christians living their life like orphans because that's what orphans do. It's it's a terrible thing that has happened in Christianity. It's a terrible thing. And so we've sought all these other things to try to satisfy this thing in us. Okay, we've done all these things to try to satisfy this this hurt, this hole in us. Thinking, well, if we get the power of God, we'll be all right. But then we realize, no, we won't be all right. It's because it doesn't work out so good. Or if we get all these, you know, material blessings, everything's going to be good. No. Or if we get married, if I could just get married, I'll be okay. Not really. In fact, you're going to be in worse shape than you are now. Hey, I'll tell you, I have a good friend. I have a good friend. I want to tell you what he said. Are y'all right? This is what he said. I had two friends. One of them wore me out for years, me and Marlon. 
and other people who were close to him because he was single. And we kept, Lord, please give blank a wife so we can be out of our misery. (laughs) So the Lord gave him a wife. And he got married. And he's got babies now. So then along comes this other friend. Same thing. Gosh, Lord, what in the world? So I'll call this other friend. I'm not using his name because people will know him if I used a name. I wouldn't want to use his name unless he gave me permission. I said, hey, dude, what would you tell this other guy that's coming to my life now about marriage? He said, Byron, I would punch him in his mouth. (laughs) He said, because when you get married, that's just what it feels like. It feels like you got punched in the mouth. You see, he thinking marriage was his answer. That's, that's why it was a punch in the mouth to him. He realized, this ain't no answer. In fact, I had to meet with him several times to try to talk to him about how to treat a woman. Well, anyway, that's another story. So what Paul did, if you, if you read, I'm going to tell you this. Here's, here's the layout, chapter 1. Let me just tell you this. I think this is amazing. I'm amazed at this revelation. Uh, verse three, 3 through 6, he, he gives us, you know, about the spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Then, in verse 3 through 6 of chapter 1, he tells us what the Father has done. The Father. The Father has adopted us. That's what it tells us in those verses. That's what, that was what he did. Verse 7 through 12 talks about what the Son has done. The Son redeemed us. The Son ransomed us. The Son died for us. The Son rescued us. The Son went and got us so we could be adopted and made, made adoption available to us, brought us back. And then verses 13 through 14 is about the Holy Ghost. If you're a Holy Ghost person, He's in there. He's in the Trinity. He's the one who brings heaven to earth. He's the one who starts revealing what adoption is and starts letting you know about all this stuff. So you've got all three of the Godhead at work in our lives. That's what He's doing. That's what this whole book is about. It's about seeing those three at work trying to draw mankind back to where they originally was before they fell away. That's what chapter 1 is about, but it, it doesn't stop there. It's, it ends. This is amazing. It ends with a prayer. A prayer for revelation. Because Paul was basically saying, this is what they did. But you know what? This ain't going to do you jack good. If you don't get this by revelation. If you don't really get the spirit of wisdom and revelation working in your life. All that he just wrote down, it's not going to help you. It's going to be head knowledge. And it'll only create some pride and stupidity in you. And then you'll fall flat on your face. And you'll be angry at God. And why didn't God do what he said he was going to do? Because you're not living out of revelation. So he said, i got to make sure we pray this prayer. Pray that prayer. It's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Pray the enlightenment. The enlightenment. That you can begin to see some things. That you can begin to know some things. It's a powerful prayer. Eyes of your heart being enlightened. To see what? To see all I just told you. He used a little bit different language there, as he does all the time. But the ultimate thing is to see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and what they bring to the table and what they want you to have. Now, that's really the truth on that. That's really the truth. I have thought about that prayer. I've preached a lot of messages on that prayer in my lifetime because I love that prayer. I pray that prayer all the time. But I would preach it completely different today than I did even a year ago. Because God has revealed the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to me. And revealed this revelation of family to me. And that all of a sudden I see this prayer completely different. Um, It's beautiful. It's an amazing thing when you begin to see it. You know, when you begin to put together these pieces and start seeing them as a whole versus a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. And you begin to see God's heart in a bigger way. I wish somebody had told me this when I first got saved. I keep saying that. Why didn't I know this? Why didn't somebody tell me? Well, they probably did. You know, but you were just sitting there daydreaming about, you know, football or something, you know, whatever. About your test you were going to take that you might fail. 
listen to this, verse 219. Uh, you know, so he gives that prayer, then he jumps into two, and he sort of goes, if you look in chapter two of Ephesians, he sort of goes in and tells you a little bit more detail about being separated from God. Sort of explains a little more detail that, hey, whether you realize it or not, you were very much separated from God. There was a wall between you, you and him. He didn't put the wall there. You put the wall there. Your, your Adam put the wall there, and you just followed it into his, because Why? Adam was your father. You were living out of your father. Out of the desires of your father because Adam was your father. But Christ came, broke that wall down and introduced you to another father. The ultimate father. And this is what he says. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're no longer separated. But you're fellow citizens with the saints and members, listen to this, members of the household of God. That's the gospel message. That's what they were talking about. You're a member now. You belong now. You're in. That's what this whole thing's about, to convince you and me that we're in. And because we're in, we have access. We have access to heaven. We have access to our inheritance. Maybe not all of it, because God ain't no idiot. In other words, I love Emma Lou. She's awesome, but I am not giving her the keys to the car today. But I promise you, there's going to come a day when I'll get a phone call from Emma like, Papa, can I borrow your car? And I'm going to say, you want me to come get you? And I'll, you can bring me back home. Because... You see what I'm saying? Family. Family has access. Family has access. We have an inheritance. You don't have to earn it. He earned it for you. Jesus already did all this for you and I. That's the key thing. You've got to know this. He's done it. And that's why we keep bringing that thing around and around and around because Christianity is ate up with the, the have to. We got to do this. We got to do that. Uh, we got to please God. We got this real intensity. We got to pray harder. We got to do all this. We're responsible for this. I'm not responsible for any of it. I'm really not. God's responsible. If He wants me to do something, then we'll do it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm a child. You're a child. How can you be responsible for the world? How can you be responsible for the White House? How? You can't be. If He's not, darn, if you are, I'm, we're in trouble. You can't, you can't even be responsible for your adult children, parents, for what they do when they become adults. You cannot. All you can do is keep praying and hoping and believing. And if God happens to give you a chance to say something without everybody getting all mad at you. <laughs> every good parent knows when their child becomes adults, you, you keep your mouth. You learn to, you learn to bite your lip. Like, mm. I wouldn't do that. That's what I think. I wouldn't do that if I were you, but I ain't saying. Because they get all offended. And then they cut you off and treat you like you're dirt. I'm serious. That's just the way of man. That's the rebellion in man's heart that we were born with from Adam. We're, we're doing the desires of Adam. All right. Members being plural. So let me just say this. Going to church will never transform your life. If that's all you do, you've missed the mark. Becoming a member of this household will radically transform your life. Radically. That's how our lives are transformed. It's not going to church. It's not listening to preaching. It's not you know, getting into the worship service. It's not going to prayer. I mean, none of that's going to transform your life. It's realizing who you are and joining this family, which happens to include church and a lot of other things. It includes all that, but those things are not necessarily. Because a lot of the churches, like I mentioned to you, are orphanages. That's what a lot of churches are. They're, they're just, just orphanages. A bunch of saved orphanages. Saved Christians who are nothing but orphans. And we're just perpetuating this orphan mentality. Instead of being a father's house, a daddy's home, a household. That's my revelation of church. It should be a reflection of his home on the earth. 
Are y'all okay? Let me read this one more and then I'll stop. I hope this is working out for y'all. <laughs> yeah. This is the, so Paul gives that and then he goes into chapter 3. I'm giving you a really amazing revelation of Ephesians, the first three chapters. He goes into chapter 3 and then he starts talking about um, how he was set aside to reveal what I'm talking about. That was his job. I'm trying to get, he, and that's what he was saying to him. I want this revelation. God appointed me to do this. Think about it. Paul was saying, this is what God appointed me to do, to reveal the family. To re and so everything else he did in all his other letters were all about the family. This is how you need, oh, in Corinthians, oh, you guys, y'all ain't acting like family members. You're doing bad stuff. Stop doing it. This is not how family acts. Families don't take each other to court. Family don't have immorality in the, in the family and everybody lets it go, get a, you know, go on like nothing. Are you seeing that? And so what he was trying to do is reveal that God has a big family and he wants people to be in it. And then in other books he wrote where there was problems in the family, he would address those problems like a daddy would and teach them how to live in a family in a, in a proper way. And when you start looking at the New Testament the letters of the New Testament like that, it changes everything about the Bible. Suddenly you're finding, oh, this is how, the, how God wants us to live as a family. And I'm not going to sue this guy down the street, even though he's a Christian businessman and did me in. I'm not going to sue him because God really doesn't want that. I'll figure out another way of doing it. I'll go beat him up. <laughs> Get my money out of him. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to read this because I'm hot and tired. Uh, this, so he ends with another prayer. He ends the first three chapters. So he got two prayers in there. The first one, get this revelation about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then he delves into how we were separated, talks about this inheritance again, uh, talks about we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Then he talks about being a household of God. Bring, and says all that. And then he ends all that with another prayer. This prayer is powerful too. He says, for this reason. For what reason? Everything I've been telling you from chapter 1 to now. Look at it like that. From chapter 1 to now. Now, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, some prayers require that kind of outward posture. Some, there's some things in life that will drive you to your knees, right? I mean, and that's what he was saying. This is driving me to, it's not like, oh, I'm going to gently, uh, you know, I'm going to get on my knees because that's a holy thing. No, there's something that was burning in him that drove him to his knees. I'm going to tell you something. One time we had this situation that happened in our lives that drove us to our knees. is we were having a baby, my daughter was having her baby, and the baby started coming early. And the doctor said, if this baby comes now, possibility his lungs will not work and he'll die. And when they said that, Becky and I right there fell to our knees. And there was people, and we didn't care. We fell to our knees and started crying out to God in that moment that this cannot happen. Do you feel that? There's just times in your life that something's going to happen, good or bad. Some revelation will come which will drive you to it. Some beautiful thing will happen that will drive you to Or some trial or difficulties will, and you will go to your knees. See, that's why he said that. He's trying to speak to us to get us the weight of what he feels. It's not just a simple prayer. He wants us all through eternity and all through the generations and hundreds and thousands of years to get the gravity of this, of this prayer, of this revelation. There's weight on this in heaven. This is on the Father's heart. This is on the Holy Spirit's heart. This is on Christ's heart. Because Christ paid for us to have this. He suffered for us to see what I'm telling you today. He suffered for us to become sons and daughters. He suffered for us to have our inheritance. And when we begin to look at it like that, it'll change the way we feel. And we'll quit being so trite about things and, and ridiculous. He said, for this reason I bow to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ from whom the, listen, whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, he connected the family here to the family that's already there. Well, we know what I said in the beginning. The family's there, right? 
Jesus is there. The Father's there. The Holy Spirit's there in here because he's everywhere. Right? And there's other people there. We have people that we love there. We have people that we've wept over because they went there. It's like Billy Graham said, I didn't die, I just changed addresses. Wasn't that cool? If you heard I died, don't believe it, I just changed addresses. I thought, yeah. <laughs> but we weep. We're broken when people that we care about and love change addresses because we're going to miss them. But they're there, we're here, and it's all this family. It's amazing. It's just amazing. And notice it says the whole family on earth is named. Did you get that? Remember what I said? Your, your family origin determines. It determines your desires. It determines what you're going to do with your life. Are y'all seeing this? When we begin to see that we're part of that family, part of that fam- the family values, the thing that the family wants, the thing that the family is all about begins to come into our hearts. That's how we get godly desires. That's how we get desires to preach the gospel. That's how we get desires to pray for the sick or whatever it is. It's because the family has that. Are y'all following this? It's not just some oh latest craze in the church that we're going to have a healing thing. That's a craze. I don't want a craze. I don't want a wind of doctrine to blow through me and all of a sudden I jump on it. I don't want that. I want these things to rise within me because I'm a son. And that's what I see the Father doing. Are y'all following that? It's just really the way God meant us for us to live. That's why actually in, in this very book in Ephesians 4, uh, one of the things that God does is bring people to help us not be blown around by everything and, and everything in his brother that's happening. Because there's a lot of stuff, right? A lot of awesome stuff. But you can't be everything. You can't do everything. This, I think I told y'all this. The word, uh, one word the Lord gave me, one of the words he gave me, stay in your lane. And you know what? You have to find out what your lane is. What's my lane? I tell you what my lane is. is stuff that God's revealed to me. It's not what he's revealed to Joe Blow out there that God never meant for me to even mess with. Right? Joe Blow needs to mess with it. Joe Blow needs to do that. That's his lane. And if it'll help me, that'll be awesome. But I need to find what God has put in my life and what God has given me. And that's where I need to major at. And a lot of people would be better off if they would do that. You wouldn't be so scattered in your hearts trying to figure out everything. You find out what God's really given you, and you focus on that. You major on that. You find the revelations that God has laid in your heart, the desires God has laid in your hearts. Do that. Then you're doing what the Father's doing. And it don't have to be some spiritual-looking thing because everything's spiritual to God. Right? Everything is. If you're a mom this morning and you have this overwhelming mothering desire, that's from God. Because he wants that. He loves that. The Bible says every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights. So everything that's good that comes, from, comes down from God. It doesn't have to be some, you know, Christian thing. Right? Are y'all following that? That's important that you know that. It's important that you know that God puts desires and things in your heart that are not necessarily like, okay, well, how does this apply in the church? Or how does this apply on the mission field? Or You know, find out what those things are and major on those things. Do those things. And, you'll, and the life of God will start emerging in you. And the joy of the Lord will start emerging in you. And you will get away from all that heaviness, that old heavy Christianity that was just nobody wants. Like, who wants that? I want this, this freedom Christianity that these guys were talking about. That's what I want. I want this, my burden is light, my yoke is easy Christianity. I want to come to this person and have a relationship with him. That's the kind of Christianity I'm looking for. Have I said that too many times? Because no. <laughs> some of you are looking at me. Y'all got some bad looks on your face. <laughs> Let me finish this. This is great, man. Let's see. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might through his spirit and inner man. It's a lot in that. I'm not going to talk about that. That Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to what? Comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and length, depth and height? To know, personally know, experientially know, participate 
and God's love. The love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, he was telling us this is the key. He was saying, here's, if you didn't, if y'all didn't get all that, just get this. Just get that there's this, this love triangle in heaven that I mentioned to you earlier. And he wants you to participate in that love triangle. He wants you to be filled with that, that love. He wants you to, to enter into that and, and comprehend. There's lots of meanings. I was looking up the meaning to it. It means to take eagerly, to seize, to possess, to apprehend, to come upon, to find, to obtain, to perceive it, to go after it, to go after it. That's why he was praying to go after this. Go after this, to know this, to know this family, to know that you're in this family, know that you're loved, know that you're cared about, know that he adores you. To know that. Because it'll make a difference in your life. You know, I have somebody I was visiting with last night in the hospital that has a serious, serious disease. And he's my age. He's my age. And he has a kind of diseases that, that he could die. He knows it. Now, he's a believer. And he's a follower of the Lord. But I'll tell you this. He suffers. Right now, he's suffering not only in his body. He's suffering from a lack of knowing this. Because he has all these feelings coming up in him. About how he hurt God. You know? With his life. And I was saying... You never have hurt God. You can't hurt Him. He, he hurt for you. But, but He loved you. I said, do you know how you feel about your little grandkids of yours? You know how you feel, how you love them, how you cherish them, that you would fight anybody if they mess with them, that you would beat up anybody for them. And if you couldn't beat them, you would go get something where you could. You know? That's how the Lord is when he looks at us. But he didn't, he don't really know that. He don't really have that revelation of a father loving me. Even when I was in my darkness, he still felt the same way about me. He still looked at me. He may have not liked what I was doing or what I was saying, but he dearly loved me. And he was dearly looking for me and find, trying to find a way to woo me and draw me back into the family. Because all I was was a son who left the family. Somewhere I left the family. I got outside the family. And when I was outside the family, I started living in this other family called the devil's family or the world's family. And I started thinking like them and acting like them and doing what they do. That's what we do. That's what being lost is. It's, that's, it's simple as that. You're living out of another family. You're living out of another identity. A religious family. That's what a lot of the church does. We're getting this religious family. That doesn't work. Right? We've all tried that. Right? Some of us have. Anyway, I know I have. I didn't, it didn't work out for me. Um, so, to make, to make this love yours, to make this, fo- this fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit yours, to make it yours, because it is yours. That's what I'm, I want you to hear this today. It's yours. It belongs to you. All you got to do is believe that and say, this is, I want to learn about this. I want to start walking in this. I want to cultivate this in my life. That's all you got to do. You, gotta, you don't have to jump through no hoops. You don't have to get up any earlier and pray any longer. Reading, you don't have to give no more money because I don't really like that whole thing they're doing up here because that's my credit card that give a thousand every week. <laughs> like I have about $5,000 on my credit card I gave to the church. Just kidding. That is my credit card, though. The last four digits. Are y'all getting that? Come on, y'all. Like, no. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to mention this, too. This is another thing I was feeling about my friend last night. Is And I had this for a long time in my life. It's what I call the impersonal love of God. Okay? The impersonal. It's a, what I would say, John three sixteen. God loved the world. Well, I'm part of the world. Okay, so I'm in. But that was very impersonal to me. For a long time in my life, I didn't have a subjective love of God working in my life. You see, you see, we can say all day, God died for the world. God is love. God is this. God loves everybody. But do you know he loves you personally? 
that is very personal. It's a very personal love. And then when we begin to know it is a personal love, then we can know about his love for the person next to you, that he loves them just like he loves you. And that's how you're able to love other people is because you've had this love flowing in you. You see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just an objective love. It's a subjective love. And if you don't really know that, I know this sounds real basic, but if you don't really know that, you, your Christian life is going to be way diminished. I mean, slam on the floor diminished. And you are going to be subject to a lot of lies and deception, and you're going to get blown around, and eventually you could, get, you could even get thrown off the track, eventually. We all have to know on a very personal and deep love, God's love for me and you. And th- see, I can love Marlon because I know God loves him like he loves me. And I have God's love in me to love. I can forgive because I have God's forgiveness in me to forgive. I can get healed because I, God has healed me. He got his healing in me. I don't have to stay under this thing all my life. All right, I'm going to stop. I want to tell you one other little thing, though, before I stop. I keep saying that. that's the worst preacher joke in the world. Well, I, I, just one more thing, you know, 30 minutes later. One more thing. So the 19th thing he said. The 19th time. Here's the 19th point of the sermon. This is not a sermon. When we begin to join ourselves to this family and we begin to see the realities that we're in this family, we're in this community, we're in this fellowship, okay? And we begin to start seeing that and seeing that we belong there, that we have a place there, and that we have this identity that's flowing out of this family. Guess what? There's this thing that says, or there's this thing, because there's a conversation going on in the family, right? Every family has conversations going, you know, around the supper table, right, or anywhere in the family. Get this, would you like to join the conversation? Did you hear that? You know what I'm talking about? Isaiah heard this, Isaiah 6, after he had this great encounter with the Lord, saw this. He heard, overheard something going on in the family. This is what he heard. Hey, who's going to go for us? That's what he heard. He heard the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit talking about sending someone somewhere. He heard it. Who is going to go for us? He overheard God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit talking about something they wanted to do. And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. That's, that's how he came out because he heard something. Well, I heard that recently. After the Lord, I'm just telling you, but this is for us. When he began to reveal himself in this family way, okay, that's what I'm this, he began to reveal to me this family thing and how I'm in this family. I heard him say, would you like to join the conversation? That's what he said to me, would you like, because he's having a conversation. God's talking about stuff. God wants to do stuff. And the Bible tells us real clearly that the, the priest and the kings in the New Testament, this is out of Hebrews, are sons and daughters. Are y'all getting that? It's those sons and daughters that know they're sons and daughters. That God begins to say, this is the people I need to be able to use in there because they know who they are. They know who their daddy is. They know who they belong to. They know who their brother is. They know all this, and they're hearing things from this place. And then you can begin to take what you hear, okay, and begin to use it in your everyday life. And one of the first things the Lord spoke to me after I said, yes, I want in on the conversation. He started talking to me about a person that I knew 20 years ago. He started talking to me about them. And I thought, oh, Lord, that person is so offended at me. They really have misread me, Lord. They have miscalculated me. They're mad at me about something. They've been mad at me for years, Lord. I don't want to talk to them. That's what I was telling the Lord. But I heard what he said about them, so I said, I'm going to tell them. You know, I'm just going to tell them. 
I'm not trying to get anything straightened out here. I just want to tell you something the Lord told me about you. And then I said, I don't know if that means anything to you, but I'll tell you this. I know this for a fact. You are highly loved. You are so loved that up in heaven they're talking about you in a very good way. People need to hear that. People need to hear that. Amen. Lord, help. Yes. Huh? Well, she's going to say something. So, I, you know, I told y'all last week, um, it's really wild when you start getting a hold of this because that conversation is going on, and that's how the Lord wants to use us out there. It's pretty amazing. And, you know, the self-effort and all the stress and striving to get somewhere in God actually begins to stop us up from the flow. Uh, e. Stanley Jones says this. He's uh, the in Christ guy. He says a lot of Christians are flogging instead of flowing. Does that make sense? And that kind of describes what we're talking about because we've been brought into a family where we can hear things. It was really amazing. I had a dream um, last week about a preschool director in town that I really don't have much of a relationship with, but there was problems. And I just began praying for that person, didn't really have a chance to talk to them until this week when I was picking up one of my grandkids. She opened the door, and I quickly said, you know, I've been praying for you. And I just have had you on my heart. I feel like there's been something going on. She just looked at me. She says, yeah, it's been here at the school. And that was exactly my dream. And so, and I just said, you know, how, how awesome is that? That this flow that begins to happen because we're here in a conversation. Because we're not, we, we know who we are and God's want, we're in. Isn't it amazing? But see, she's in too. God loves her just as much as he loves me. And that's the way this thing works, is there's so many out there that need to know that they're in and that he's very much involved. So I just thought that was really, so we need to stop flogging ourselves and start flowing in this family that we're in. And it's amazing. So I just wanted to share that quick. Have lots of that going on. Do y'all want that? Well, Dean's going to pray for us to have it. Yeah. And, and, you know, when Jesus was sort of introducing the Holy Spirit, he said, you know, it's expedient that I go because I'm going to the Father, the Father and the Son, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God. And then he said, because he will convict us of sin, which we're all good with, right, conviction of sin, but he'll convict us of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they don't believe in me. We've all had that conviction, and now we believe. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father, which means he takes care of all that too. And of judgment, because as of even right now, this world and the leader of this world has been judged. So the Holy Spirit did it all. He convicted us of the sin, he convicted us of the righteousness, and he convicted us of the judgment. And this is what the Lord showed me sitting there. The Holy Spirit is like insulin. What Byron started the sermon with was that we can get this in our head. And when we hear this word, we hear it through our ears, which are part of our head. And we get it in our head. But then our pancreas, the Holy Spirit, needs to release the insulin. Because sugar is what turns, uh, everything we eat turns to sugar in our body. But sugar can't get into our blood cells. But our body creates insulin for the sugar to get into, and then the insulin can get into our blood cells. So the Holy Spirit's the insulin. So let's stand... And let's rely on the Holy Spirit taking this message from our heads and bringing it into our heart because it can't just get there on its own. You hear what I'm saying? This message cannot get from your head or our heads into our hearts on its own. We have to have the insulin. We have to have the Holy Spirit. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now. And ministry team, would you come up as I pray? Heavenly Father, I pray right now for your Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. By the way, that's a feminine. That's in the feminine. Did you know that? Isn't that cool? That nurturing mother aspect of I will make man and woman in my image. That's the feminine. The Ruach HaKodesh. Oh, Heavenly Father. Mm -mm -mm, The all-nurturing one. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which you've sent to get this truth of your word from our heads into our hearts, making it not just a good sermon, but a life-changing sermon, a reality in our lives. 
So Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, our Messiah, thank you. And Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for the family that you've made us because we all have one Papa, one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be released, but if you want prayer, more prayer, please come up. Thank you.